Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello and welcome back to our journey through the book of Leviticus. Today is Leviticus chapter 24. Today is going to be one of those chapters that's going to be a little controversial. And honestly, it has been used in a lot of different settings to create controversy. I would love for us to focus on the first half, which is going to talk about what the presence of God really looked like, or should I say the tabernacle where the presence of God was. I got a feeling we're probably going to end up really left with more of some questions and some interesting takes because... There's something that happens in the second half of this chapter that really kind of takes all the attention. So we're going to just go ahead and read this. We're going to stop halfway through and talk about the first part and then work our way through the second half because the second half is really where a lot of the controversy has stemmed over the generations. Here we go. The first thing is going to be talking about the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle had three sections to it. You had the outer court, which was the area where the altar was and a thing called the lavers is where the priests would wash their hands and different things. Then you had a smaller tent within that bigger outer court tent. And that smaller one was what they called it the holy place. Inside that holy place, you had three different objects. You had the table of the presence is what they call a table of showbread. It was a place where, you know, it represented the the word of God. You know, nowadays, back then, it was a place where the priests would have bread there. And we're going to read about that in a second. Then you had one that was called the menorah. It was a candlestick that was in there that was always supposed to be lit continually, represented the illumination of God. Then you had a smaller incense altar there. The incense was always supposed to be going up before the Lord. And then you had an even smaller tent. So a third one was the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And so we're going to read about that that second and smallest one here really quickly. Verse uh, Chapter 24, verse 1, New Living Translation says, The Lord said to Moses, Command the people of Israel to bring to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for light, to keep the lamps burning continually. This is the lampstand that stands in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. Aaron and the priests must tend the lamps of pure gold lampstands continually in the presence of the Lord. You must also bake 12 flat loaves of bread from choice flour using the four quarts of flour for each loaf. Place the bread before the Lord on the pure gold table and arrange the loaves in two stacks with six loaves in each stack. Put some pure frankincense near each stack to serve as a representative offering, a special gift presented to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, this bread must be laid out before the Lord as a gift from the Israelites. It is an ongoing expression of the eternal covenant. The loaves of bread will belong to Aaron and his descendants, who must eat them in a sacred place, for they are most holy. It is a permanent right of the priest to claim this portion as special gifts presented to the Lord. So once again, the word of God just said, these are representations of this covenant between the Lord and between the people. And so it was just a symbol. All these are just symbols to represent what God was doing in the nation of Israel at the time. It's a beautiful thing. Can you imagine you know, walking in every morning to the smell of fresh-baked bread and burning incense? It was 
you know, an amazing thing probably. And it was also a reminder because just like you can't see incense, you can't see the smell of bread, you still smell it and you're impacted by it. It's a reminder. Even though you can't always see God, you can see him moving all around. Okay, now this is the part that's going to get controversial. We're going to read verse 12 through verse 23 and let it be what it is. Here we go. Verse 10. One day, a man who had an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father came out of his tent and got into a fight with one of the Israelite men. During the fight, his son, the son of the Israelite woman, blasphemed the name of the Lord with a curse. So the man was brought to Moses for judgment. His mother was Shemaleth, the daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. They kept the man in custody until the Lord's will in the matter should become clear to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp and tell all those who heard the curse to lay their hands on his head. Let the entire community stone him to death. Say to the people of Israel, Those who curse their God will be punished for their sin. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community of Israel. Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. Anyone who takes another person's life must be put to death. Anyone who kills another person's animal must pay for it in full, a live animal for the animal that was killed. Anyone who injures another person must be dealt with according to the injury afflicted. A fracture for a fracture, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Whatever anyone does to injure another person must be paid back in kind. Anyone who kills an animal must pay for it in full, but whoever kills another person must be put to death. This same standard applies both to native-born Israelites and to foreigners living among you. I am the Lord, your God. After Moses gave all the instructions to the Israelites, they took the blasphemer outside the camp and stoned him to death. The Israelites did this just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So, you know, God doesn't mess around with these kinds of things. This word blaspheme is an interesting word because what it means is, is when you think of the word to use the Lord's name in vain, it doesn't necessarily mean to cuss using God's name. But a lot of historians and scholars, biblical scholars say it means more than that. It means to carry God's name in a false way. It is to present yourself but then to misrepresent God before others. So what this man must have done, must have probably used the law of God to twist and to inflict damage on somebody else. And so it would be the same thing as if, let's say you have a, a, a rule at work that says that if you show up late for work, you get fired. Well, if someone says, you know, well, if you show up late for work, you're going to get fired, but that doesn't mean really that. That means something completely different. And so let's do just, just using it as a completely different way than what it was intended for, you know, what ends up happening is not only does that person you know, defame that workplace, but it defames the reason why that you know, rule is there. Maybe the reason was there is because of something that was really good, but then the person uses that rule to bring destruction on somebody else. That's what blaspheming the name of God is. It's not just simply saying God's name as a cuss word, but it means carrying God's name in an unworthy way or twisting God's name in a way to bring bad on someone instead of good. And so God takes that very, very seriously. And as you can tell, God takes life very, very seriously. I think that's a great lesson for us today, to realize that God's word is like this for a reason and that God's judgment is like that for a reason. And so just like God takes his name and life very, very seriously, so should we as well. Very controversial thing. And I would love to know in 
comments down below. Why do we think it's controversial? Why, why should it be so very controversial to take life so very seriously in our current culture? I don't know. I would love to know in the comments down below, but I will see you next time for Leviticus chapter 25.